Now, I thought perhaps this morning I might share just a few thoughts on guidance in the way. You know, guidance as we as we journey and as we travel. And I mean this not just physically, but also spiritually, but the guidance that we need. You know, we um, were mourning in our country because of what happened in Saskatchewan, and the very tragic news. You know, yesterday, I think yesterday in Ontario was the OHL draft. Am I right, Seth? Yesterday. So we had uh, hundreds of young people looking so forward to the possibility of being drafted into the OHL, for example. And so it was a great celebration of hockey for young men 15 years old. And yet at the same time, there was this tremendous suffering and tragedy because of individuals from the ages of 16 to 20 from uh, Humboldt, Saskatchewan, who were, I believe, 15 have died in that tragic collision. Now, I don't propose to show any photographs of that, but I wanted to show uh, this morning a little bit of a, a, a picture, just a picture of the route to travel from Humboldt, Saskatchewan to uh, Nipawin. And I believe the distance is something about 200 kilometers. It's about two hours, it's a little more than two hours to drive. And there's a couple of different ways of getting there. And I thought perhaps uh, Pat might put that first picture up for us this morning. You know, if you're traveling and you go to Google Maps, you can get a little route like this. And so you can see down on the bottom on the left, you can see Humboldt, Saskatchewan. We spent a little bit of time in southern Saskatchewan a number of years ago, visiting Wayne and June. So I think a lot of us are familiar with Saskatchewan. You can, some places you can look forever and see nothing. I mean, it's so flat. And uh, in any event, the, tr- the, the route most traveled would be the one in blue, which is two hours and six minutes. And the thing I wanted just to point out, because when something like this happens, events like this happen, people always want to ask why, why, why. And those who are so intimately involved and who've lost family members, even those who've survived, they just don't know how to deal, how to cope with something like this. It's so tragic. In talking about it, one of the last things we'll ever do is second-guess anybody. That's exactly what we will not be doing. We'll not give one thought to second-guessing anybody's decisions. We don't know enough about it to do anything like that. But just some observations that we, you know, we all make decisions. We make decisions. Sometimes the difference between a tragic event and nothing at all is just a very simple little decision. Sometimes people can decide to just make a phone call before they leave home or just anything at all. Stop and look at something. It could be any little trivial thing that perhaps will take 10, 5 seconds, 10 seconds. And it's the difference between living and dying. And so somebody said, you know, you stopped at a restaurant for a cup of coffee and possibly avoided something, but in stopping at the same restaurant for the same cup of coffee, it's possible to put oneself into a position of vulnerability. There's no way of knowing any of these things. But people try to second-guess them after they happen. What could we have done differently? We all have a tendency to do that. You see, the if uh, everything I 
touch this morning just by way. You, you know, you really don't need to know this, but I'll tell you anyway. Nothing works. <laughs> this is, nothing works, but we're going to make it work. <laughs> so, in any event, there we go. Now, the bus was traveling from Tisdale north on 35. This is Saskatchewan Highway 35. And the bus is traveling from Tisdale on this route here north. This little thing maybe needs a battery. It may need a battery. Now this is the intersection here where the accident occurred. And so the bus carrying the hockey team was traveling north. The transport truck carrying peat moss was traveling west. This is 335, Saskatchewan 335. North and south here, Saskatchewan 35. Now obviously, they're going from Humboldt, Saskatchewan down here, about a little over two hours, traveling up here to Nippon for game number five, I believe, of their series. So I thought I would like to see a little bit more about this kind of, about this intersection and what it looks like. And the other thing I saw, I thought was, since their journey was on 35 North, I wondered what uh, went into the decision to make to take that particular route as opposed to taking this route here. And I'm not second guessing it; I'm just observing it. If this route had have been taken here, 335, they would have traveled east on 335, made a left turn onto 35 North. Nothing would have happened. Now, if they would have taken this route and proceeded east on 335 Saskatchewan, they would have come to this intersection. They would have been faced with a stop sign, stop sign and a red light above the stop sign. Not just a stop sign, but a stop sign and a red light. On the other side of that intersection for westbound traffic, stop sign and a red light. In other words, the traffic proceeding north on 35 has the right-of-way to proceed on through that intersection. The east-west traffic is governed by stop, uh, stop signs. Stop sign with a little red light above it. Let's look at the next picture, Pat. This is an overview of that intersection looking from Google Earth. Again, the bus is proceeding north on 35. You can see this is Highway 35. This is Highway 335. And so the bus is proceeding north, the transport truck, the peat moss, and this is one of those long, you notice in Saskatchewan out west they have these, it's like a train of trailers. They have not just a trailer, but it's a train. And it appeared as if this was one of those trains of trailers, double trailers perhaps you call them. Now I noticed when I was looking at it, you notice these trees? You see the tree line here? And I said uh, to myself, I wonder if, if uh, the trees made it impossible to view or to see the transport truck. For example, you know in Saskatchewan everything you can see for miles. But you can't see for miles if you have a row of trees blocking your view. So here are the trees lined all along 335 on the south side and uh, on the east side of 35. So if a transport truck is proceeding west and a bus is proceeding north, the bus will not be able to see the transport truck until someplace in about here. 
the transport truck you would expect would come to a stop at the stop sign. But I can say that, based on my experience, that didn't happen. I have no idea why it didn't happen, but I can say it didn't happen. The wreckage from the collision, and you can see the pictures that they have placed on the news. The news media have placed pictures online. And you can look at the pictures and you can see a great deal. You can see the point of impact is right here. You can see that all the wreckage is located over here. You can see that the transport truck with the tractor just off the north side of the highway is here with all the trailer lined up in this direction. All the trailers. And you can see all its cargo just all over the place. You can see here, just a little bit uh, east of the transport truck, you can see the bus on its side. And it's very evident that they came into contact right here at the intersection, but the momentum of the tractor trailer carried everything to the west. You can see, even as you look at the photographs, you can see the skid marks from the dual wheels of the, of the tractor trailer assembly as it's skidding in this direction. And so I thought, what about these trees? So Pat has another picture. This is a picture again from uh, Street View. And this is the view of the school bus driver uh, as it's proceeding north on 35. This is the intersection of 335 up here. Again, at some point, the tractor trailer will emerge from behind these trees. There's the trees. The tractor trailer will emerge and right into the path of the school of the uh, of the bus. It appears from looking at what we can see online that the tractor was not hit. The driver of the tractor trailer survived without injury apparently. And uh, so the point of collision was at some point behind the tractor on the trailer assembly. And so in the, in the amount of time that's available for the bus driver to react, which is very, very little. The truck suddenly emerges from the 335 into the path of the bus and you have a very tragic event that's unfolded. And I think that's what I wanted to show you this morning because I know we're all interested in what's going on and we'll hear as time goes on. We'll hear, but it's all these features of if this could have been if this could have been changed if this other event could have happened differently if something would have delayed this or accelerated this then none of this would have occurred our hearts go out to the families of all those concerned and i know they're rallying together and supporting each other right across the country this is a very very sad thing very very sad thing but I wanted somehow this morning not to comment um, unadvisedly about this or say things we don't know. All I'm sharing with you so far is things that are just self-evident that you can see and you can make reasonable deductions. But as to the why, I have no idea and I do not propose to guess. Why did the truck not? I don't know. I have no idea and I'm not going to guess. Time will reveal all of those things. And one thing time will not do is time will not bring back anyone who is gone. But we are on a different kind of a journey. We're also on this kind of journey. We travel all the time, but we are on a different kind of journey. And we are on a journey from where we are. We are on a, are on a journey to the 
world that is to come. We have an earnest desire to make heaven our home. I want to share with you just a few verses from Psalm 32 this morning. And then I'd like to briefly share just a few thoughts from the life of the Apostle Paul. It's Psalm 32, and I, uh, I'll, re- I'll start at verse number 1, and I'll read through to about verse number 8 of this Psalm of David. It says, How joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is the man the Lord does not charge with sin, and in whose spirit is no deceit. I'm reading from Holman's Christian Standard Bible. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day. He's talking about a period of time in his life where he is, um, basically he's going through a conviction for sin. He's experiencing the conviction of transgression. And he's being dealt with by God and by God's wonderful spirit to bring him to repentance. For example, he said, When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me, your hand, the hand of the Lord. He said, My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Then, he said, he writes, Then I acknowledged my sin to you, And did not conceal my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you took away the guilt of my sin. And this is um, as we journey. And as we travel through life. With the desire to make heaven our home. And be secure and protected by the Lord. Then there needs to be the practicing of repentance when needed. We never get to a place where there's where if there is a need for repentance, we just say, well, I just don't need to do that. Everything. We, when there is a need to repent or come before the Lord in honesty and to be dealt with by His Spirit of truth and, and He reveals to us there's something that needs to be changed in our lives. And this is the, the idea of repentance is to change something. And so he writes, uh, when I acknowledged, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. You know, you get past this thing of trying to conceal things, trying to say that everything's okay when it's not okay. Because we're talking about being led of the Lord. There are innumerable testimonies, and I almost hesitate to say this sometimes when, especially, you know, in the light of a great tragedy, when something has happened that, oh, if anybody could do anything to to change so that that would not have occurred. Every, a person would do whatever was required, but we can't. And sometimes we even hesitate to talk about the protection that the Lord affords because here's an example where 15 people's lives have been lost and are you then accusing them of something, not doing something right? No, I'm not accusing them of anything. But you see, we have to be balanced. There is such a thing as protection. Why do we sing, safe am I? Why do we sing this? We don't sing it just to sing it. We sing it as a prayer. We sing it because we have a tremendous desire to be protected of the Lord so that we might live our lives out here in His plan and fulfill and satisfy His determination for our lives. We do not want any adversary to rob and steal and destroy something that we have a right to. 
And if we have a right to wellness and safekeeping, then we want to hold that right. But at the same time, as we say that, then we do not judge in a negative way when bad things happen to people. We do not make any assumptions. We don't assume, well, somebody, you know, if they would have been done this, if they would have done... See, we, we, we're not here to try to uh, judge everybody else in terms of the events that happens in their lives. But we are here to take stewardship of our own course. And I know this, and I can share this to you with confidence this morning, that the Lord has a purpose for your life. Nothing can prevent that from happening as you walk in the secret place with Him. See, it's very important that we walk in the secret place with Him. What's the secret place? The secret place is the hiding place. The secret place is a place of refuge. The secret place is a place of prayer and communion with the Lord. You see, when there's a need, oftentimes for us to, for the one who is all-knowing, the Lord Himself who is all-knowing, and sees all those things up ahead that we do not see, to communicate with us so as to change our course in a way to avoid calamity. He is able to do that. He is able to do that. And yet we must be in the place of being able to hear it and receive it and be directed by it. And if we're not in that place to hear and be directed by his leading, then we will miss it and something will happen in our lives that was not designed to happen, not intended to happen, but it's going to happen because we did not hear the warning. Now you say, and someone says, well, now, but bad things happen to good people. And I can think of all kinds of examples where people who walk very close with the Lord and great tragedy and calamity happened in their lives. And I'm not saying that's not true. What I am saying is that there is a timing the Lord has for you. He has a purpose for you. And nothing can harm or take you out of His purpose until his purpose has been fulfilled. Nothing can. Now I'll continue in Psalm 32. He says, Therefore let everyone who is faithful pray to you at a time that you may be found. When great floodwaters come, they will not reach him. And then in verse 7, Good morning, April. Good morning, April. Hi to you too, little sweetheart. We were wondering if April would come uh, to say hi to us today. Congratulations, Mom and Dad. Congratulations. We had a song all picked out for you, but you weren't here early enough, so we couldn't play for you. (laughs) But we'll get it for you again. We'll get it for you again. And you see, the time then will be perfect, right? It probably wasn't perfect today. Verse number 7, he, he writes, You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with joyful shouts of deliverance. And then we find this word selah. You know what selah means? Selah. Pause and take notice of that. Now comes verse 8. It says, I will instruct you and show you the way to go. With my eye on you, I will give counsel. This is the Lord speaking to us. I will instruct you and show you the way to go. With my eye on you, I will give counsel. 
And I'm talking about the path of life, the journey of life, the big picture of life. And when there is a time in life when we take this route as opposed to this route, we take it because the Lord has directed it to be so. Now, I find that several translations describe or at least address this verse in slightly different ways. So let me read this uh, verse number 8, the latter part, from the complete Jewish Bible. It says, I will give you counsel, my eyes will be watching you. I will give you counsel, the Lord speaking, I will give you counsel, my eyes will be watching you. Do you know his eyes are watching you? And he desires to give you counsel. But I cannot say this enough. We need to be in a place where we can receive the counsel. Does that not make sense to you? If you do not have your radio tuned to a certain station, you cannot hear what's being broadcast on that station. I mean, it's just, you can't hear it. You want to watch television news at a certain hour of the day, but you have your 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 television turned to TSN. Well, you're not going to get the news over on TSN unless it's sports news. So you have to be in a place to be able to receive it. So then I then I found it in the King James translation, the, the one that... Uh, you know, our our parents and grandparents, the only one they knew probably was the King James Bible. But in many ways, the way in which something is portrayed in the King James Bible can be just absolutely wonderful and marvelous and better than them all. For example, this opens up an, uh, an avenue of thought that the others perhaps do not quite open up in the same way. For example, I'll just reread Holman's. With my eye on you, I will give you counsel. Here's the complete Jewish Bible. I will give you counsel. My eyes will be watching you. This is the King James. I will guide thee with mine eye. Very simple, succinct, to the point. I will guide thee with mine eye. But you know what that suggests to me? is It suggests to me another thought, something that's even a little bit more profound or a little bit deeper. Uh, deeper. It's not just the idea that my eyes will be watching you. It's not just the idea that I will give you counsel, my eyes will be watching you. But it's the idea of I will guide thee with mine eye. It also conveys the idea that, you know, the Lord says, with my seeing, I will guide thee. I will guide thee based on what I am capable of seeing, not just on what you are capable of seeing. Oh, now, that's a different thought. Isn't that a different thought? It's not just, I will keep my eye on you. I've got my eye. That's great. That's reassuring. I love the idea the Lord will guide us and he will keep his eye on us. But this says, I will guide thee with mine eye. And as I think deeply on that, I see this emerge. I see the way that you do not see. And based on what I see, which the Lord sees, which is perfectly, perfect, perfect. Past, uh, pardon me, the future is as clear as the past. And I will guide you with that kind of vision. Isn't that wonderful to think about? Now, I want to share just perhaps just very briefly. I could go into depth on this, but just a little bit on the surface, for example, this morning of the Apostle Paul. You remember in his life, on his early life, you remember how he was taught and trained in Jerusalem. You know he was a Jewish, but also he was a Roman citizen. 
And you know on the road to Damascus where he was going to arrest believers in Jesus. He thought they were heretics. You remember how he had this great revelation of Messiah Jesus on the road. He was blinded by the brightness of the light. He was blinded until a man named Ananias came and laid hands on him and prayed for him that he would receive his sight. He was told immediately God's purpose for him and he knew that the purpose of the Lord for him was uh, from his mother's womb, even before he was born. From the earliest possible moment of time, God had a certain plan for his life and he has a plan for your life like that too. Not just for the Apostle Paul, but he has a plan for you like that. And the greatest endeavor, the greatest way in which we can spend our time profitably is to discover what that is and to seek to walk within it. Because walking within it is the place of safety. That's the hidden place. That's the place where he guides us with his eye. Now there came a time in the ministry of the Apostle Paul where uh, there was a great famine in Jerusalem and Judea. And the people living in Judea and Jerusalem were in great need. The believers were in great need because of this famine. And so the apostle, they took an offering basically from all the places where he ministered. They took an offering. This would be from the Gentiles. This is the Gentile believers providing for the home church in Jerusalem, if you like. So the apostle Paul, he went back to Jerusalem with this uh, gift and gave the gift to the church in Jerusalem. And there were certain leaders of the church in Jerusalem, for example, James, the brother of Jesus, who was a leader, the prob- probably the most uh, notable leader in the church in Jerusalem. And they made certain suggestions to the Apostle Paul as to what he should do to basically kind of relieve the Jewish people in Jerusalem that hated him and had a false notion of what he believed and what he taught. And they said to him, "This is you should go to the temple and you should do such and such. And so he went into the temple, but the Jews, they seized him with murder in their eye. And they were intent on destroying him and killing him. And I want to say that God had said to him many, many years before, you're going to go to Rome. You're going to go to Rome. And you're going to testify for me there. There wasn't anything, and, and you read through the last few chapters of the book of Acts, starting about chapter 21, 22, 23. Read through those chapters and you see all these circumstances where there's this conspiracy against him to destroy him, to kill him. And if they were successful, guess what? He's not going to get to Rome. But God said, you're going to be my witness in Rome. The Lord Jesus re- revealed to him You're going to testify for me in Rome. Now that meant that none of these things could prosper. None of these weapons could prosper. But I don't see when I read and uh, closely investigate the life of the Apostle Paul, I don't see him being just sort of, uh, you know, blasé about all this. And I don't see him saying, well, you know, hey, I'm fine. You know, no problem here with me because I'm going to be protected no matter what. Because I'm going to go to Rome and I don't, I don't have to do anything about this. He did not conduct his life that way. He was very careful about the way in which he conducted his life. For example, a little bit later on, as he, you know, he's protected, obviously. Now he's on his way to Rome. And there's a wonderful, marvelous confluence of circumstances where, on the one hand, he could be released, but he had made an appeal to Caesar. So since he had made an appeal to be tried or heard by Caesar... He could not be released. He must be 
sent to Rome to appeal to Caesar. If he had not appealed to Caesar, he could have been released. See, but he's destined for Rome. Now, the reason he appealed to Caesar is because there was a Festus who was a governor of Judea, and he was going to send Paul back to Jerusalem to be tried by the Sanhedrin. That would have been a death sentence. And the, Paul said, you know, I'm a Roman citizen, and I can appeal to Caesar. Okay, well, then to Caesar, you know, you will go. But see, all these things, everything, everything lends itself to the fulfillment of the will of the Lord Jesus for him and for his life. But he doesn't take it all, you know, as a matter of course, well, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to pray. I don't have to really do anything. I can just, the Lord's going to look after me no matter what. For example, when finally he's en route to Rome by, by ship, and you remember the great storm come up on the Mediterranean Sea, and the seasoned um, men, mariners on board the ship, they all thought they were done. They were, they were as good as finished. And you can tell as you carefully read the account that they would have all perished. Every one of them would have perished on board that ship. But the Apostle Paul, it's fasting and it's prayer, you see. Why the fasting and prayer when he knows he's going to get to Rome anyway? He will arrive in Rome as he stays in the hiding place, and he stays in the center of the Lord's will for him. And the way to do that is to be a man of devotion, a person of devotion, to pray, to fast, to seek the Lord, to stay in the place where there's the communion and fellowship with the Lord. That's absolutely essential. And so while he fasts and prays and beseeches the Lord on behalf of himself, his own life, and the life of all those on board the ship, you know how they were all saved. And the Lord basically revealed to him, he said, I'm going to give you the lives of all these people on board the ship. And you remember how they all escaped to land, even though the ship was destroyed, they all escaped to land. The point that my sense is that we need to really receive from this morning, the Lord has a plan for your life. You need to find out what that is. That must be the ultimate quest is to determine what it is, to know it, what it is. Don't be deterred by saying no one can really know all these things. Do not be deterred by that because the way of knowing is the way of uh, communion and fellowship with him. Practice his presence. Read his word. Spend much time in prayer and fellowship. Do not be a stranger to prayer and fasting together. Seek the Lord. And as we find that place that the Old Testament Psalms refers to it as the hiding place, place of refuge, that's where we receive our guidance. And the guidance we receive there is the knowledge of his will and the ways in which to avoid the perils that are there for you and for me. Everyone has perils, are waiting just to derail. Impossible to derail. But if we get outside and become nonchalant in our journey and forsake the um, fundamentals of this communion and fellowship with the Lord, then we can be derailed. And then things can happen that are really not in the will of the Lord at all for us. But if we stay in that place where we can hear his voice, 
He will keep us safe and secure and protected until His purpose for us is completed. Not one day short of that. Until His purpose for us is completed. You find that true in the life of Peter. I just put a couple of names down in my notes. Peter, you remember how Peter was miraculously preserved and saved from prison and from death? Yet there came a time when Peter was martyred for Jesus. There came a time when Paul was martyred for Jesus. There came a time when James, the brother of the Lord, was martyred for Jesus. But that did not happen in any of their lives until their ministry was completed. It wasn't interrupted in root. When they started from a certain point of beginning in their relationship with the Lord, they walked with Him right through until He was finished with them and they had finished their their, uh, their course and fulfilled their purpose. It is the devotional life. It is the hiding place. It is the place of protection. And that's why we sing Safe Am I. If we don't sing Safe Am I with the attitude of we can just be careless and we're going to be safe anyway. We don't do that. But we sing Safe Am I as a promise of the Lord to us as we walk closely with Him, sensitive to His leading and guidance. Mm -hmm. And make sure that we can always be in the place where we can receive His counsel. Then we can sing with confidence, Safe Am I. Safe Am I. Now I had a song. I was listening to this song last week. In fact, I came over here one day. And I'm going to play this before Ruth comes. This does not interrupt your song, Ruth. This is called Peace in the Shelter. I believe it's called Peace in the Shelter from the Storm. And I know a little bit about the background of this uh, song and the particular group that are singing it here. And I know that the lead singer of this of this song has gone through some very, very difficult times in the past few years. I can say to you that at the time this was recorded, there was a member of this quartet, it's a quartet, there was a member of this quartet who had uh, uh, been diagnosed with cancer. And he had gone through various treatments for cancer. And I know that while they were singing this, and while it was being selected as a song to be included in the album, while they were singing it, they were thinking of him and the peace that the Lord would bring to him going through this tremendous trial that he was going through. And since that time, I know the lead singer, unbelievable uh, challenges and uh, difficulties and trials. I'm not really much of a crier, uh, but uh, sometimes I'm capable of it on rare occasions I could have wept I've listened to this song many times before but I hadn't really listened to it with the kind of thought processes that I had last week while I was listening to it I want to say to you it makes a big difference sometimes what's going on inside you what you get from something for example if you were to receive anything from our sharing today It has as much or more to do with what's going on in you than it does what I'm saying. That's true. And sometimes when you listen to a song and there's something going on within you with regard to that, it will speak and minister to you in a way that it hadn't ever before. Let's just listen to this song.
When the cares of life seem more than I can handle And clouds of doubt have settled in my soul When everywhere I turn the storm is raging Into the Savior's loving arms I go There is peace in the shelter of His arms A refuge from the storm Where I am safe from harm Through the strongest winds and pouring rain There's peace in the shelter of His arms Never been a moment on this journey That I've been forsaken or alone Cause every time I face the unexpected Our Father gently leads through the unknown There is peace in the shelter of His arms A refuge from the storm Where I am safe from harm Through the strongest winds and pouring rain There's peace in the shelter of His arms Peace.